Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Fight Chat Friday where every week uh, we discuss some elements of ITF sparring, competition, sport, coaching uh, and try to shine a light on the very very best of uh, performance related ITF Taekwondo. We are Taekwondo Coach Academy and I'm Adrian Byrne with me Richie Ford and uh, today we have a uh, uh, quite a, a a good topic i think something very interesting that was suggested was over instagram so richie do you want to kind of introduce the topic for today yeah so this question actually came in as um based on i think it was two weeks ago we did a video on martial art versus sport so as a result of that we got a question from hans who asks do you try to keep the traditional or grading curriculum more lean in order to be more sports orientated or not and if so how where exactly do you make the cuts so yeah i think this is um an interesting question because obviously when you look to compete in a sport naturally you're looking to make the most efficient use of time which means do you need to cut in certain areas of the curriculum mm. as we know itf taekwondo has a lot of facets and a lot of aspects which need to be covered so yeah i think it's going to be a very interesting question to examine that a little deeper um and i think it would be interesting as well based on this conversation to see where other people are at with their point of view so maybe they For can sure. share their ideas in the comments and we can um, just have a little bit of a discussion on that yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think it all comes back to the initial part of what is the overall goal. And then, like, obviously, we have to start working our way back from there. But like, um, I think with Taekwondo, it's interesting because the overall goal isn't necessarily what the student or the athlete or the, you know, the, the member's overall goal is. It's what's the overall goal in the club as set by the instructor or as set by the leadership in that club. And you know, I think that overall goal has a huge impact in shaping what the the lessons are, what the time is spent on, and even what's included in the gradings and in the syllabi. I think that's a huge factor. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually an unintended consequence of having so much involved in Taekwondo. We have like sparring, patterns, fundamental movements. We have so many things that we need to cover as opposed to using other martial arts, for example, where whether you're doing it for self-defense, for sport, and um, for fitness, whatever it is, it's generally the same. So, like, if you look at sports like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for example, whether you want to train that for fitness, whether you want to train mm. that for sport, or whether you want to train that for self-defense, generally it will all be the same, and you're just covering the same topics and areas. Where in ITF, because we're trying to almost cover so many things, it can become a problem because, of course, that all reverts back to time. Mm. and how do we best spend that time yeah so like as you said you look into our composition and the composition would always suggest and you go back to anything that's written in the manual from general Choi or in the condensed encyclopedia or the 15 volumes it's it's around um making taekwondo a big part of your lifestyle and training incessantly and tr seeking improvement all of the time and not just from the point of view of improving your techniques and skills for the purposes of self-defense but improving yourself your health your mental fortitude your moral character your like um your physical and mental well-being uh over a very long and prolonged period of time you know they uh and that 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 was kind of the concept and you know when you look at uh what's involved in doing that it's a very wide and varied program that you potentially have access to but that has its limitations as well because 
full mastery or you know even just proficiency across that wider range of areas means spending a lot of time in all of those areas and we have the a far more normal situation where uh, the person isn't spending you know seven eight nine ten hours a week you know fo- focused on their self-development within their taekwondo and in fact is spending two or three hours a week and we're still trying to potentially take all of those 9, 10, 12 boxes, whatever they happen to be. And that leads to that whole jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think especially that is at the root of this can, question. Especially when we consider that probably originally it was more guided towards adults. And I imagine it was probably that way up until like the 80s, 90s. Would that be fair? Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly when I started in 89, um, there was two or three kids who started with me who would have been 10. Uh, I, I was nine and I think Keith Hannon was eight. So we say at that stage, we'd have been considered very young, like very young. Yeah. Almost the whole class was in their 20s and 30s. Um, and when we were sparring, there was no partners for us. Like we mm. had to spar the adults because that was it. We did our self-defense and our conditioning with the adults because that was it. And a lot of clubs would have been like that. So I think it was really the mid 80s when particularly some of the clubs in Dublin and Cork in, in Ireland would have started to introduce a few more kids into the training. Um, and certainly uh, into the 90s, it became much more common. Um, but the guys who were running the clubs at that time had no idea how to train kids. Um, you know, they yeah. never learned how to train kids. That was, That's a much newer thing for sure. Well, now generally Taekwondo is seen as more of a, a, a child-friendly martial art and it's mm. something that um, parents will almost like push their kids towards because it's, it's considered a more child-friendly approach as opposed to maybe the more f- full-on ones which have a bit more contact and things like that. Um, but I also think because of that, that um, like when you look at Taekwondo as a whole, you just said it there that your self-defense training and your sparring training when you started out, I think that that's actually almost like one of the issues here because the self-defense training and the martial art don't really, or sorry, the martial, yeah, they don't marry in terms of Mm. the um, sparring training and the self-defense. And I think that that actually can become a bit of a problem. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, if you really, really double down and you attempt to use your um, uh, your Taekwondo as it's practiced within the fundamental movements and the pattern as the basis for your self-defense, well, it unifies the thinking an awful lot more. Like, it's much easier to blend your thinking and apply all of that together. But I think in a world where you have MMA and you have the idea of people with various different skills and options available to them going into a ring to do combat, even though it's as a sport and with rules, um, there's an element of, there's an, or, we say an appreciation of, well, this might work in this situation, or this might work in this situation. And, um, you know, even though that's not, we'll say, physical mortal combat, on, or it's not, you know, it's not a, a, an aggravated violent assault on a street, I, you know, it, it, there, there's that element of everything being compared to that now, where mm. previously there was an element of the almost the movies or the storytelling to what the the martial art, the self-defense side of things looked like. I mean, was Aikido good? Well, Steven Seagal throws people off trains with it, so yeah, it's great. Um, was kickboxing good? Well, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme, who never did kickboxing, but anyway, um, you know, 
he can catch coconuts on his abs thrown from a tree yep that's obviously good um you know he can kick down uh bamboo trees and you know there's all this kind of stuff where you know mm. for me it was best of the best and i watched you know the u.s national karate team against the korean taekwondo team you know in a in a massive stadium in korea and you know for me it was like the koreans were you know doing push-ups hopping down steps and running in the snow and cracking their hands off of trees and the americans were studying fight videos and uh you know learning to have a slightly better diet and to do some meditation and you know you're looking at this kind of you know almost mystification of the martial arts what works what doesn't etc dramatized by television and i don't think it's that much different now with mma in some ways like you're looking at a dramatization of what might work in self-defense and Mm -hmm. the ugly truth is obviously different i think that actually brings up something very interesting in terms of the whole Mm -hmm. idea of testing and that for me is what the attraction is to the sports side because you train for a certain amount of time and then you go and test of course it's not testing it in the real sense of self-defense and putting yourself in harm's way but you're testing yourself in a sports setting and for me that's one of the main attractions of the sports side where like whatever your argument is about the sport is irrelevant but when you can train for a sport to compete in that and you get the results and you get the test based on the competition yeah exactly so like did did what your training work did it not work what are we going to adjust and what are we going to do differently and i think that when you have that approach you you're really kind of looking at best use of time and how to use your time efficiently just think of the whole definition of competition it's to outdo somebody else Oh, that's sure. what sport is mm. so like if you spend like one hour a week at a certain aspect where everybody else who you're competing against is spending multiple hours you're going to be outdone when it comes to competition and that kind of what is the result of having to like the question said lean down and almost so it goes back to what you said originally you need it all comes from what your focus is yeah. and reverse engineering from there yeah, and the effect is multiplic- uh, multiplicative over time. So, you know, it's all well and good if you do one hour a week for four weeks, six weeks, a year. That's one thing. But when it comes to four and five and six years, you know, because learning is, uh, you know... Compound it, interest, it, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So the more time that's invested consistently, the better is kind of what we're looking at there. So, yeah, jumping back into the whole kind of investment of time and so on, like that's a huge deal, isn't it? Because, you know your average student who comes to you as a child probably gives you an hour to two hours a week yeah and it's not massively different in terms of the organized training that's happening within a club with an adult like most of them might okay you might have three or four hours a week if it's you know a particularly dedicated adult but most clubs because of how they're set up they can't provide much more than that so it kind of gets you into a situation where you really are confronted whether you like it or not as an instructor with how do i spend my time and then we go back and we start our reverse engineering. What's the end goal? What's the process? And once you engage with the sport, it defines end goals for you. There will be a championship. There will be a tournament. There will be a competition. And so therefore, you're always looking to see how much can we improve by that time? What do we spend our time on? What's going to give you the most return in terms of time invested? Whereas if the goal is, I'm going to improve this person's life through the practice of taekwondo i have until they die you know there's no time pressure there's no Mm. end result it's like well i 
sorry sorry go ahead no i was going to say because there's no end result and there's no time pressure there's no performance measure there's no judgment of it um you you need to be good enough to pass your gradings if that's the route that you're going down but like at what point does someone you know jump you on your way home with a plank or you know and and see if it still works um you know and and how do you effectively do that when the person is 30 40 50 years of age um you know it gets progressively harder to be effective in that way um so yeah it really does depend what the end goal is and obviously for us we've kind of chosen to have an end goal that's geared around you know the fact that the people that we train in the main arrive to the club as children they come through their teenage years with you know and we we feel that through this sport we can offer them an awful lot in terms of their progression their development and it also allows them by focusing on being good at the sports skills to generally do very well on the grading side of things they don't have difficulties getting to pass that barrier and i think that's a huge deal for us as well that when we look at people coming to black belt gradings in particular the ones who are athletes they're they've dedicated themselves to athleticism and competitive performance they're pretty good at fundamental movements kicking patterns they can jump they can they're probably powerful enough to break if they're not even if they're not conditioned you know they're probably powerful enough to do it um and they can learn a routine they can you know they they can put together a self-defense routine or they can apply some aggression because they have dealt with aggression in the sparring sense they can deal with the fake aggression of a grading i don't know but if they can deal with the real aggression being, but yeah but even the whole idea of being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable like just that alone as is a massive thing when you're a competitor and you focus on the sport being able to come to a grading with the backing of knowing that you can perform like just these small things as well make a massive difference but mm. just going back to something i just want to touch on that you said already uh, the whole idea of the, like doing this as a lifetime activity versus doing this as a sport. I think that that's where the actual division comes into ITF a little bit. And we can see like there's tons of groups, tons of organizations, Mm. lots of divisions there. And I think it actually can come back to that a little bit of the division of what the end goal of particular people want. And that can, that can actually have a a division then within the the whole martial art or sport, whatever way you want to determine it to be. And, you know, it's one of those things as well of like, I have people who are training with me for 20 years. So, um, you know, I, and I feel good about that. There, there are people who are still training 20 years after they started training. So like that's longer than, as they say, most marriages. So they've, they've definitely got a relationship with Taekwondo, but their relationship yeah. started with Taekwondo as a sport. Um, they didn't start with the intention, you know, at, at six years of age, with the intention of being healthy 80 year olds like that. Like I still don't have the intention of training to be a healthy eight-year-old. That's uh, and that's thirty years later. Like that's not where I'm at. But the, um, you know, the the discipline of trying to improve continuously over time towards performance in a sport, uh, you know, has kept me interested, active, and engaged, and reinventing myself through taekwondo for years and years and years. So, you know, there's a there's a, a rationale behind that too. It really still mm-hmm. comes back to though, I suppose what time are you going to spend on what elements and to jump really right back into Hans question you know what elements do you think we lean the syllabus with so like if we think about the syllabus as a whole what are the elements that we would actually be taking out 
um, or not practicing as much. And I think if you have some examples, I have some examples that will kind of give us a way to look at, you know, where Hans is at. Um, because, like, in the end, like, we've written syllabus. You know, you're, you're an instructor, an examiner. You have a written syllabus and you have a syllabus that you test. Like, what, what would you tend to weight through the syllabus? For me, like, as you said earlier, the things that you can bring as um, almost, you can improve almost by proxy in terms of by looking to improve the things you want to improve to make you better in sport, that almost improves your overall level for me as a martial artist. Mm. So looking at things like if you want to be efficient in the sport, you need to be a good level of kicking ability, which looks at flexibility. It looks like kicking control, which then affects things in gradings like your fundamental kicking, your patterns when, when there's kicking involved, of course, and, and kicking technique. Then you can also look at sparring as a whole. So there's like so much involved there. You have like the physical development. You have even at a younger level, you're looking at more like physical literacy for younger kids. Mm -hmm. uh, you're looking at cardio. You're looking at speed training all this stuff, coordination, footwork, and then you're looking at the the bigger skills, which you need to train on as well. Yeah. So already we're talking about a lot here. This is only just two things. And then you have pattern, which is very, very important, obviously, if you're looking to grade and you need to be very proficient in pattern. And then when you, when you look at that, I think that if you take the three of those things and if you can become quite efficient at them, I think that there's a lot of crossover then into all other aspects because to develop and be competitive in, in sparring, for example, as you said, you have to be quite athletic, mm -hmm. which leans into things like special technique, leans into potentially power breaking, even pattern, just being able to be coordinated in your movement. So I think that when you have the ability to kick well, you have the ability to develop the skills to spar at a decent level and you can perform patterns at a good level. I think that that leans in towards the, the other topics which you need to be proficient in to pass a grading and ideally to be at a good, good level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I think where, where it kind of changes is you, you, you look at, um, and I'll pull it up later, but the, the, the season plan, you look at what do you have time for in a year? And, you know, because... If you just do a little bit of everything all the time, you have no learning effect. There's no compound interest, as you put it before. Mm. So if I do 30 minutes in sparring of a Tuesday and then six weeks time, I do another 30 minutes. The, the, the previous Tuesday was a waste of time because yeah. I didn't compound on the knowledge. I didn't reinforce those pathways. I didn't reinforce that learning or that decision making The you know, it, it's just not how learning works. So we need to invest some time in the things that we need to want to make permanent. So what I would look at is there are things that I'm not so worried in my philosophy of it, whether or not they're permanent. I need them to be short term present. And so I would look at things like prearranged sparring, which I probably teach uh, four to six weeks a year for, you know, 10 to 20 minutes per class, 10 more likely. So you might look at four hours to six hours of uh, pre-arranged sparring done in a calendar year in my club um, and you won't be doing it if you're a national team competitor unless you're in a grading year um, so that could reduce to zero hours um, mm -hmm. you know that's one example um, 
uh, breaking is something that I do with the younger classes a little bit where instructors can handhold boards. Um, but when you get to the more advanced levels, uh, to, for me to do it efficiently in a class of 20 to 30 people, I want at least four breaking machines. And if I don't, if I can't have four breaking machines, I'm not going to do it, except for a brief period of time uh, as uh, in the build-up. Now, that said, we do it against shields. We do we do practice it against shields as just power techniques. Um, we do speed breaks. So we will do like breaks with one handheld board and so on. And we'll do that regularly, but or semi-regularly. But, you know, compared to what would actually be required to become very good at breaking like we haven't done that in years because we don't have the facility to store that many holders and bring them out so until i come up with a portable solution that's kind of a decision that we've made whereas we do have the ability because special technique you can use a paddle as long as you have something that you can stand on you know and get high enough you can fairly well practice that so we do that regularly enough but for me self-defense and prearranged are the two that are constantly sacrificed uh, in order mm. to make time for Step other things sparring. Well, that's the prearranged. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. So yeah. everything from three-step, two-step, one-step, uh, foot sparring, model sparring, prearranged free sparring, never. Never yeah. is basically the answer. I'll give it enough time so people can go on and not fail miserably in a grading um, mm -hmm. on that section. And in our own gradings, I won't even test it to red belt most of the time. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and... Now that changes. So, what's the situation then? If you're uh, if you're not an examiner, uh, you're a first or third degree, and you have an examiner, and they're saying, well, the syllabus says you'll perform four elements of three-step sparring at this particular level, or you know, you, the break for this grade is uh, whatever. Um, and and then I think you have to ask yourself, who is that serving, and mm -hmm. what educational principles is that following? So. You know, I mean, that's that I think is where the, the concept of the syllabus falls down because, you know, you go back to uh, General Choi's examples, you know, from the start of the, the manuals and you're looking at even when he talks about people of different physical ability, you know, a person who's 80 years of age or uh, he gives an example of, um, uh, you know, an 85 pound woman with one arm. Um, it's actually in the encyclopedia, you can find that one. Um, but the point it, he, he gives is that there are 3,000 techniques or whatever it is, you will find some that work for this person um, and you can adapt the patterns to suit. There's no reason she can't train. But if we have a grading syllabus that isn't adapting to the needs of the 85 pound woman with one arm, well, she can't progress because she can't do that right hand knife and strike break that's required for green tag or something. Do you know? Um, and when it becomes immediately obvious that when it comes to adapting for people with special needs, you can adapt the syllabus. When it comes to adapting to suit the learning needs of a group or an environment, then you can't adapt the syllabus. That doesn't make sense. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't look at it That's a good as point. so much leaning out the syllabus as adjusting the syllabus to suit the learning outcomes that we're aiming for. Yeah, That's, and it all goes back to what we said at the very beginning, what's the focus that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, definitely. Um, like the uh, bring back up this one again, but the uh, sorry, let's see, can I find the one I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, this horrendous looking thing. Um, like that. That's what I what I uh, see when it comes to thinking about what time am I going to have to do different things, and it's like, well, I have my 52 weeks in the year. I have all of the different things I want to train. I have the different events that you need to be ready for in season four, prepared for, 
and I have the amount of minutes in the week that I can actually assign to given things. And that all has to balance and operate to like physical principles. So if you're training an athlete, well, there are certain things we can't do back to back or on the same day or you know one day following the next. So we have to observe that. We have to allow rest days. We have to allow for, um, because it's optimal progression over time. And if we can't do that, then we're not serving that person as an athlete. And then when it comes to, you know, if for example, someone wants to grade to second degree, you have a first degree who's been with you for two years, they want to grade to second degree. If you haven't got time in your schedule to prepare them appropriately, well, it's not going to work. They're not going to arrive at that grading psychologically ready, prepared, physically ready and prepared. It just can't happen. So I think it's really important for us to look at what is the goal and then to work it backwards from there. Um, and I think when, when you come to someone like Hans, who's been around the world of, you know, in competition for, for so long and has had a competitive focus, uh, you've certainly done a lot of pattern and prearranged, um, you know, you have to look at, well, if you're making decisions for you and for your club about what fits and, you know, what is the overall aim? What's your philosophy as a coach? I think is one of the first questions that we are going, yeah. we're going to keep coming back to. What do you want to achieve? And, you know, the, for us, uh, certainly we've made some life choices on that front. And that means that certain elements of Taekwondo have to be sacrificed for us. And, um, okay, no problem. Mm. Uh, but I think it, as well, it's interesting that it, it differs as the groups progress, because mm. even you mentioning that, like at a lower level, the foundation is a little bit more broad in terms of you so. get the experience a bit more and then the the more you progress then the almost like the narrower the curve will get yeah so you're 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 specializing as such because think about it like even in ITF competition for example at the senior level at the highest level there are very few people who are able to consistently be successful in enumer numerous codes yeah. in terms of patterns and sparring for example yeah very rare. Um, you get exceptions, of course, but it is it is rare, and that just shows you the the amount of specialization required. And again, for me, it just comes back to that idea of time. Like most people who are competing at this level are, are working, they're studying, they have their family commitments, etc. So it, it comes back to time and how can you most efficiently use that time. But I think it's interesting to note as well that for the younger groups, it. it it's much more broad at the base. So you're working on things like physical literacy. Even when you go back to the youngest groups, it's, it's just about fun, getting them involved in sport and in physical activity. And then the, the more you go up towards the higher ranks and the higher um, levels, it, it kind of just specializes a little bit more. Yeah. And I mean, I think even if you were to go the other direction and go away from sport, so we take Taekwondo as almost like... Um, very much as a social activity as a physical expression of uh you know uh, or an expression of physical health as a disciplined activity for improving physical and mental health as maybe a way of self-defense as a you know as a tool for lifelong learning and personal development and you leave out the sport almost entirely well you, mm. you're faced with some of the same choices how much time do you want yeah. to dedicate to sparring so if if you're looking at sparring as well I'm only going to do sparring, you know, because I needed to pass my gradings. Well, we're in the same situation. And there are clubs yeah. in our association who are very much of that ilk. And they would rather use their time for sparring to say, okay, guys, let's do some two on one, or let's do some modified spars where it's very much like a, a padded version of self-defense or something. So, you know, mm -hmm. they use it as a progression towards their self-defense rather than as a progression towards their competition sparring. 
Um, yeah. You know, they'll do it without gear on. They'll do it, you know, with sweeps, with uh, holes, with, you know, different things. And, and, and okay, why not? Uh, but the, the concept that we're working towards is that the ultimate goal in sparring is to improve towards a position where you can compete in a ring. Um, where if your goal is not doesn't hold competition as a goal in life, then you're going to have to make other decisions and you're going to have to cut some element of the, uh, the Taekwondo training that we know, and that's going to have to move away from it. Um, I suppose in the same way, you know, the, uh, as you get older, you are definitely going to have to compromise and remove some elements of the training as well. Because mm-hmm. as you advance in your age and, you know, when you get into your 60s and 70s, there are certain things that would have been considered normal part of training that you probably shouldn't do anymore, you know, or if you uh, arrive to the martial art with uh, special or additional needs, like you are going to have to treat it as you've arrived. And I think we just end up with a very, like it's it's such a typical thing online, isn't it? You have traditional martial art versus martial art yeah. as a sport. And one wants to vilify the other, or, you know, the, the narrative that we run into is more normally, sport is seen as like an ugly subset of martial of, of the martial art and it's you know it's it's a watered down version of the martial art um and you know any modified version of doing absolutely everything full time all the time is probably a watered down version of the martial art i mean if the stated goal especially was especially when go on especially when there's so many things to cover in that as well like do you, do you know off the top of your head if there's any other traditional martial arts which have so many aspects within them as Taekwondo? Yeah, well, I mean, what you're kind of looking at is where uh, you've got within Taekwondo, Taekwondo draws its origins from, like, obviously older styles in particular, like uh, Shotokan Karate has a huge right, impact yeah. in the elements of it. But, like, Shotokan Karate, even within competition, you know, they don't have the, the breaking or the special technique in competition. But they do have uh, the kata, team kata, uh, the bunkai, the, uh, which is a little bit like our prearranged, but is done in connection with the, the kata. Um, and they've got their, uh, their kumite, their sparring. Um, and then when you come out of that, yeah, they'll have their conditioning. They do have the breaking. They do have uh, the prearranged sparring. They do have you know the, uh, a lot of the philosophical components of it as well. I think that's quite normal. Like that's very much the style of, you know what was being created at the time where if you look at what you might call some of the more modern martial arts like and and calling them a martial art is probably a disservice to them as well in i don't think they define themselves that way but something like krav maga or combat sports maybe or combat sports as well yeah um you know so yeah. even kickboxing or mma or whatever like the the the, the, the rationale behind it is different they're a product of their time so you know if you look at something like krav maga the intent was purely there's there's no social good being performed by uh, like by training Krav Maga. There's no there's no sports application intended. It's purely intended as a like a means of rapidly teaching you know self defense or survival skills and done. Thanks. And you don't need to practice it for a lifetime. You don't need to you know it's a case of you know yes more practice is good, but the basic concept is. It has to be deliverable within the amount of time that you're undergoing basic military training and out you go kind of thing and like because of that it's like crash course do a lot of it do it fast and then go and upskill on a regular basis and practice on a regular basis but you know for most of us that's not a lifestyle choice you know if you think mm-hmm. of what attracts you to say bjj like it's not 
just that you might be better able to defend yourself in certain scenarios. There's other things motivating you to do that. And I think that's where that's where we're at. I think um, interesting, even when you look at some of these old videos, like the the like the the technical fundamentals, you know, can change quite a little bit. Style, fashion, you know, evolution of thinking can influence those to a small degree. But uh, you know, it's they're all a product of their time. And if you want to preserve yeah. what they did in the sixties, or you know, uh, then you have to look at well, we change what we do now. Why? Because they did in the sixties. Were the sixties better in every way than what we do now? we just have to be very very comfortable with what it is we want out of our taekwondo and uh, if it's something that makes us happy that brings us joy that lets us express ourselves then that's good and like mm-hmm. just embrace that i think but it, it it's very interesting that you mentioned that earlier about the um, differentiated syllabus because a lot of things no matter what way you're going about it you're going to take a lot of broad concepts from taekwondo as like as we said earlier, almost by proxy, by mm. like whether you're focusing on the sport, you're going to develop things like the mental side of, of martial arts as well, um, and vice versa. If you're focusing just martial art, you're going to pick up some physical components, and there's a lot of crossover for sure, no matter what way you go. So I think that that's um, the idea of the um, adapted curriculum is yeah. um, a good point. Yeah. But uh, so as I said, the, the short answer for hands is yes um do i strip down my syllabus yes my grading syllabus i certainly do um and even in terms of for me an important part is recognizing the difference between uh, an educational curriculum or a grading syllabus and uh, a competition where or a competition competition format the grade you know you're looking for the lowest acceptable standard and i mean it doesn't sound very ambitious but even if the standard is really high, it's still the lowest acceptable standard that you're looking for. You're looking for a benchmark. Um, you're, you're, you're typically setting a syllabus where the intent is that anyone who puts in the work can pass. Whereas competition is exclusive. There can only be one winner in a given division. So That's what competition means. That's what competition means. So for what that means in terms of your practice and your training and all the rest of it that links to it is, it, like, I would put it like this. If I was preparing for a grading, I will focus on the lowest common denominator. If someone is already going to pass, they don't get the time and effort. You put the time and effort into the weakest people who are going to struggle to pass and you probably spend more of the time on the areas that they find harder. Whereas if we're preparing for someone for competition, we take them wherever they are and we look at where is the best investment of time and effort that we can make with this individual to give them a chance of or the biggest margin of improvement in the time before the next event mm-hmm. and, and i think what's actually different. most important there is the fact that the standard is actually high to pass in the first place yeah like don't don't confuse this with okay we'll, we'll just scrape by and we'll just do the bare minimum and mm-hmm. we'll we'll be black belts promoted um first second third down whatever like the standard needs to be high first to set that bar and then you must go chase that mm. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's it, there's just a philosophical difference between, uh, you know, a minimum acceptable standard and the achievement of excellence by being, you know, the number one. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what that does for us is it changes the focus on how you do your training. And, um, you know, training to have everybody get above a bar is far more broad and inclusive in a lot of ways. But it's also... Um, uh, it, you, you decide you're, you're not 
you're not going to invest your time as much into the people who don't need your help as much like that's just the way that you'll spend your time if you want to get everybody above that bar whereas when it comes to competition it's like well everyone has a chance to improve and the competition doesn't care whether you pass or not it's it's just you go you do your competition it's a test you know uh you can learn you can improve if you go out in the first round you can still get better whereas with a grading you don't get any better when you fail your grading you don't get any better when you pass your grading there's there's no there's very often no lesson from it other than this is a check mark that i've achieved competence to whatever minimum standard and on i go so i do think the philosophical difference between what's involved in preparing for grading or preparing for a tournament has to be considered but yeah the you can't do everything uh it's not possible especially at a good level except sorry especially what especially at a good level yeah it's it it goes back to that phrase the jack of all trades master of none Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree with that so hans you're looking forward to our take on it there's our take on it it went everywhere um but uh, you get that every now and again when you when you touch a hot topic uh or you you trigger there's a trigger word in there somewhere and uh you know you set one or the other was off and a rant and there you go so um thank you very very much for the question it was an enjoyable uh ramble in kind of really getting into it and into the whys of it because i don't think the short answer of yes this is what i changed would have really given any satisfaction so um yeah hopefully that's more what you were hoping for and uh yeah help us out uh over the next week if you have any suggestions any match you'd like us to review any skills or tactics you'd like to investigate uh any problems you'd like to solve any training tips or suggestions you'd like to dig into we'd love to hear from you either on instagram in the comments of this youtube video um or through any of our social media it would be fantastic to hear from you absolutely yeah so as we said at the beginning of this video make sure and share your opinion in the comments as well and give us your idea of of, um basically your take on this topic that we've discussed there so obviously if you made it this far it's something that you're interested in and so yeah feel free to share your opinion and we'll have a nice healthy discussion in the comments thanks a million everyone see you next friday see you next time